jumping, sneezing, coughing, running. If you do any of those things and your pelvic floor isn't up to the task, you're gonna leak. We tend to think of this as an issue that's a little embarrassing or only happens to the people in Depends commercials. We certainly don't wanna talk about this, let alone listen to a whole podcast about it. But the truth is that one in four American women suffer from some kind of pelvic floor disorder, according to the National Institutes of Health. That's 25% of us, and yes, that number goes up as we get older. But we don't talk about it, let alone do anything to fix it. And this is not just a female phenomenon. Men have pelvic floors too, and they can also have issues. The guys certainly aren't talking about it. Because leaking or incontinence is something that feels private, messy, and embarrassing, we just wish it would go away. I mean, who wants to say to their running buddies, oh yeah, I went on my five mile run, my shorts were soaked in the first half mile, but hey, that's life after a certain age, right? Some people are so embarrassed, ashamed, and downright fearful of having an accident that they choose to quit running altogether. I'm here to tell you that it doesn't have to be that way. Welcome to The Planted Runner. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and my mission is to help you improve your running, your mindset, and your life with science-backed training and plant-based nutrition. I've brought on pelvic floor specialist and international coach, Baz Moffitt. You'll learn why pelvic floor issues happen and increase as we age, especially when we run, what the signs are of a more serious problem, and most importantly, the surprising way to strengthen the muscles to prevent leaks and incontinence in the first place. And it's not kegels. Baz is a former member of the rowing team for Great Britain, and she is a prominent voice in the women's health movement. She is a co-founder of the Well HQ, whose mission is to challenge the status quo for women in health, fitness, and sport. This is a powerful conversation for anyone who has a pelvis, and unless you're like Baz and study this for a living, I promise you will learn something brand new that you can apply today. The other thing that I want to say is that this topic doesn't have to all be doom and gloom. Baz has several great tips on making pelvic health more normalized and, dare I say it, fun. Be sure to stay tuned all the way to the end of the episode for the Mental Strength Minute to fortify your mind in 60 seconds or less. And now here's my conversation with Baz Moffat. Welcome to the Planted Runner, Baz. Thank you very much for having me. I uh, had a request to have you on the show. Um, as a female runner, um, we have some unique uh, issues that can happen. And so today I really wanted to talk to you all about the pelvic floor and how it relates to running, what's going on down there, and uh, what are some issues that uh, we encounter as female runners? Yeah, perfect. Um, I will talk to people about pelvic floor all day long, so I'm <laughs> delighted to be here today. Yeah, well, let's first talk about exactly what it is. What is the pelvic floor? And I mean, men have pelvises too, right? Yeah, men have pelvises, men have pelvic floors, we all have pelvic floors. This isn't a unique 
part of a woman's body. Um, but what it's a group of muscles and ligaments, uh, and it's kind of like a hammock, if you like. So it's a, it, it attaches to your pubic bone at the front of your pelvis and your coccyx at the back, and it's a, um, and it kind of like sits underneath the pelvis. And the hammock's a good way of understanding it because it, it, if you think it needs to be, like not too tight, not too strong, not too loose, not too flexible. And so to be able to hold, hold the strength, hold the weight of everything that is above it, it needs to be, have the same level of conditioning as every other part of our body. Now you mentioned men, men have the pelvic floor and it does exactly the same job, but because men don't have children and because men don't have a vagina and because men don't go through menopause, it means that their, their prevalence of the issues that they experience are far less than within women. Okay. So, um, but this, you know, pelvic floor issues are not just, um, happening to women who've had children. I've, I've had two babies and thankfully everything so far, knock on wood is, is okay down there. But I know that runners, um, whether they've had kids or not, or have some issues, especially as we creep towards menopause. A hundred percent. And I think that um, you have permission societally or internally to have pelvic floor issues if you've had children, because you're like, well, I've put on loads of weight and I, um, you know, the baby's come out of my vagina. So of course there may well be issues down there. Um, But, but, but there are many women uh, that have not had children yet or ever um, who experience these issues as well. And they need to be cared for and supported with as, with, you know, with, with as much resources as those that have had children. Right. Right. Cause you know, anytime we talk about something that, you know, is a little private, we get, you know, mm-hmm. we start blushing, we start giggling. Nobody really wants to talk about it, but for women who want to be active runners in their forties, fifties, sixties, beyond whatever, this is a real issue. So can you talk about some of the problems, um, that happen, especially on a run? Yeah, I think that the three main problems, I mean, the, yeah, there are quite a few, but the three main are the uh, urinary stress incontinence, so leaking, the sneezy, the sneezy wee, the, the leaking when there is an increase in pressure from above, from laughing, coughing, sneezing, um, and a little bit of wee comes out when you don't want it to, or because of impact or taking off. So you might find as a runner that you're absolutely fine running uphill, but if you're trying to sprint downhill, then actually, and it's towards the end of a run, then you might experience urinary leakage. And that is because your pelvic floor isn't working with your body and can't resist the pressure from pounding down a mountain or a hill, um, you know, that, that you're experiencing so that's that's one that's leaking because of force going through your system you then have what's called urge incontinence and that is when you um ha- are going going about your daily business and you, you you definitely don't need the toilet like you, there's no signals coming to you that you need the toilet but you are a, you, you're either driving home or walking home or running home and you, you get your key out and you put it in the door and you're like, Oh, I, I can't hold on anymore. And that is a, or some, it, it's a, the trigger to go, the trigger for your pelvic floor to relax should be sitting down on a toilet. So you should sit down on the loo and your pelvic floor should relax so that you can empty your bowels and bladder. But with urging continence, that, it's happening before you've even done that. So it happens when you take the key out the door. Some people get it when they get into a shower. They might be like, oh, like I, I'm, 
I'm doing a wee and I don't really want to, like, yeah, they're in the shower. It might be, um, it, it, it can also be hormonal. It can be at different stages in your period, just before your period starts. You, it might be your bowels. It might be an irresistible urge to empty your bowel or caffeine might trigger it. You know, you might say, oh, 15 minutes after having a cup of coffee, I have this irresistible urge to go to the toilet. So that urge incontinence and that can be bowels or wind or, or bladders, um, can be, there's nothing like in the in the moment. There's nothing you can do about that, and that mm. and that can be a real big mental issue. So that's the second thing, and then the third thing, unrelated to leaking, is an issue called prolapse. And 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 whenever I say that word, people wince. Yeah. <laughs> and go, please don't please don't talk to me about prolapse. It sounds awful because I think we all have this image of an old lady with like you know like kind of like with no with things kind of falling out. Yes. There are many levels of prolapse. Um, okay. That is the worst level, the one I've just described. And it's when your, vagi- your vaginal wall should have the strength to hold up the, the essential organs that are above it, which is your bladder, your bowel, and your uterus, which sits within your pelvis. Now, sometimes, uh, off, well, the, the prevalence rates are highest postnatally and highest during menopause uh, when that vagina just isn't strong enough to hold it. And it might be that you get this dull ache in your pelvis and it might be a kind of like, but it might, that might just be triggered. You might only feel that at the end of the day. And then after a good night's sleep, you're absolutely fine. And that's kind of like an underlying sort of like low, low level condition. But then over time, if you don't do anything about it, then that, you know, that vagina kind of gets a bit weaker and, and more, and you start to experience a few more issues. But that, it just feels like your body's not like how it should be and 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 it might and and instead of getting that endorphin high from doing your exercise your hit workouts your crossfit or your your running you're like oh just just I just have this dragging feeling yeah. and, it, and women describe it as a dragging everyone describes it in those in very similar terms and that's another that that's the most and we see that um it, it, I, yeah, not many, but like, yeah, there are there are quite a few athletes that experience that because of the load they're putting through their system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the mental part about it is is something we probably don't talk about enough. You know, if you've had leakage, let's say on a run, you're going to be scared that that's going to happen again, and you're going to be thinking about that. You're going to be nervous about it, and it's probably more likely to happen again because you're so caught up in your head. And you know, the other side of it is, oh, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want. I have an accident while I'm running, so I'm not going to drink anything, which is a big no-no for runners who are going any kind of long distance, especially in the heat. So, you know, is that a viable solution? Just, you know, really lowering your fluid intake? It's not how our bodies work. It's not like, you know, it's it's not what goes in comes out it kind of it's like it's like weight loss isn't it it's just it's just not as simple as like you know calorie balance for weight loss and it's not as simple as what goes in comes out but i know that many women will self manage and that is a problem with it being that's why i do my work because if you don't if this if this conversation isn't out in the open if if personal trainers and physios and fitness instructors are not able to support women they'll self-manage and they'll self-manage by not drinking or popping in a pad or kind of avoiding the workouts or, or, or just ignoring it um so hydration is really it's, it's huge like the evidence base around you know like that the effects of dehydration on your performance and on your health are, are, are really well established i think that what's really important for me is that women have really good bladder and bowel health so that we're full, so that we're going to the toilet regularly throughout the day where we don't need to overly hydrate we just need to drink you know we need to drink 
normal amounts of fluid that works for us. Uh, we need to have a kind of a, you know, sort of a, a hay coloured urine that comes out. We need to be emptying our bowels every day. We shouldn't have to be force, force our bowel movements. And if we're having if we have healthy bladders and healthy bowels and we're drinking well, then the next thing is to kind of, you know, do the pel put the pelvic floor exercises on top of that. Um, but no one, I, I, I fundamentally believe that everyone can do whatever she wants to do. But if you, if you've had a, if you've had a traumatic birth experience or you've had a really big baby or you've had any kind of trauma in your life, then your pelvic floor needs some TLC and, and, the, but it's it's the foundations of it's the foundations of our body. It's like repairing your roof. It's like in your house. Mm. Like no one notices that. <laughs> like, yeah, they'll notice your new sofa, or they'll notice <laughs> the new picture that you've brought, and that's like your new bit of kit or your new trainers. They notice that, but but no one notices apart from you. And that's why I think, you know, it's not something that people shout about. Yeah, that's probably why we don't talk about it because we're embarrassed if this happens mm -hmm. to us, even though it's not our fault. So we'll talk about ways to um, fix the problem in just a minute. But I, um, you know, I want to first talk about how do we know we're actually having an issue? Um, you know, when is the when is the time to do something about it? Because, you know, the, the urgency to go, that can happen you know, if you're nervous, you know, you're about to go mm. on stage and get a, get yeah. have a talk and, you know, you get nervous and you feel like you have to pee, even though you haven't, or you have race nerves before a race yeah. and you've already gone to the porta potty five times, you know, there's nothing yeah. in there. It's just nerves. So how do we know if there is a, a deeper issue? Yeah. Okay. Great question. So I think that, um, five years ago when I did my training, it was very black and white. It's like, if you have your pelvic floor needs to keep you dry, if you ever leak, like that's a problem. I think uh, the thinking has evolved over the last few years, which is absolutely brilliant. And the, even if you've got a brilliant functioning pelvic floor, it gets tired like the rest of your body. Yeah. So like it will, so if you are, if you're, if, if your pelvic floor, if your body is able to tolerate your training most of the time, but in that last sprint, I've never run a marathon and I can't imagine ever sprinting <laughs> for the finish line. But if that last sprint towards the finish line, you leak a bit and that's it, you're all right. Like it is, you're just a wee bit tired. If you are leaking at the start of your runs or if you're leaking regularly, then that is something that you, or, or you know, or you really enjoy a certain type of training and your pelvic floor can't, can't cope with that level of intensity, then that is when you need to start. Yeah, that, that is a bit of an issue. Um, when it becomes sort of your bowel, your, your bowel urges, I think that if it's, you know, a sign of your period coming, then that's, again, that's just naturally happening to you. But if it's, if it's affecting your running to a sense of like, you know, every time you go, if you go for morning runs, then actually 20 minutes in, all you can think about is I need the toilet, I need the toilet, I need the toilet. You're not going to get that flow state from your run that, mm -hmm. that we're all, that, that we're all after. So I think it's, it, it's kind of, there are some hard and fast rules, but it's more like how much headspace is this taking up and yeah. how much are you doing to self-manage it? And so I think it, it, it's look at it in that way. If you're avoiding things or, 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 or changing what you wear or changing where you go or changing what you eat and drink in an unhealthy way, and, and that's holding a mirror up to ourselves and having an honest conversation with ourselves, isn't it? Which, um, you know, which, which is which is quite hard to do as well. But I think just being really genuinely honest with yourself um, about how what is the impact of this is having.
Hey everyone, we'll get back to our conversation in just a moment with Baz. Have you noticed that the Planted Runner is completely ad-free? I don't know if I can stay that way forever, but how cool would it be if I could? This podcast is made possible by the athletes that choose to work with me as their coach and by those who purchase custom training plans from me. So if you get value from the work that I do here on the Planted Runner, why not take it to the next level with a custom training plan for your next race made just for you by me? My plans include all your running, strength, mobility, and more. You'll also get access to my exclusive mental strength course, along with training and nutrition tips. You can choose an eight-week strength or speed session if you're in between races, or get a full 14-week marathon plan for your next race. It's truly custom, so it's up to you. Prices will be going up at the end of 2022, so get yours early at theplantedrunner.com slash plans. That's theplantedrunner.com slash plans. Women's Running Stories, where we explore the intersection between running and life. Because every woman who is committed to a running journey has a story to tell, and this is where you'll find those stories. I am host and producer Sheree Louise Turner. I'm a 53-year-old runner, and together with original music by musician and runner Cormac O'Regan, we bring these inspirational stories to life. Please join us to fuel your adventures. Yeah, this this is great that you say this because, you know, running in general, long distance running in general can cause all sorts of GI problems that have nothing mm-hmm. to do with your pelvic floor or anything like that. It's just, you know, the blood gets moved away from the digestion to go to your muscles and to go to cooling you down. So there are lots of GI issues. There's lots of bathroom issues that happen to runners that aren't necessarily due to some kind of, you know, weak, mm-hmm. weakness in the pelvis. So it's, it's really... Um, good to kind of figure out which problem you're having because it could be something yeah, to do with diet. It could. And I think there won't be one fix. Right. So, And there won't be something that like fixes all of that. But pelvic floor could be part of that solution. Mm-hmm. And I think that what you are eating, like you, the, the, the intensity of the gels you're having, like we know that as we age, we get much, we're much more sensitive to caffeine and sugar. Now you guys need that if you're doing your endurance training, but how, but can, can you, can you, t- keep your energy up can you just eat brilliantly and use those use those gels less do you know what i mean and it's that mm-hmm. kind of like it's really exploring all the different things that you're doing not outside of the culture of your sport and that is challenging because we know that um, you know there's a really fixed culture about like whether that's training programs or eating protocols or drinking protocols or hydration strategies None of that research has been done on midlife women. <laughs> so it's like, so we're, so we're applying, we're, we're, we're applying that knowledge, which is just ingrained in our system to us. But it's like, okay, like, what is this working for me? And can I experiment with something that, that, that might, yeah, that I might need to be able to do differently? Absolutely. 100%. That is such an important message because, you know, even, even I, as a coach, I tell my runners how much to eat, how much to drink, you know, for the most part, but the most important thing is not what the science says is what your body can handle and what works for your body. So super, super important. Um, let's go into 
to how do we fix this problem? You know, we're runners. We want to fix the problem. If it's, oh, we're, you know, we're not strong enough. How do we get stronger? Everybody's heard of kegels or kegels. I don't even know <laughs> what the best pronunciation is. Is is that what we should be doing? Just sitting here squeezing? <laughs> no, well, don't, no, relax. Let go. Okay. Everyone let go of their pelvic floors. Um, so, right. So that, Again, that's part of the solution. So we need we need to like everyone should have a pelvic floor that can lift for ten seconds and hold that lift for ten seconds. So so you could just say do your pelvic floor exercises, but we know that no one knows how to do their pelvic floor exercises. So we need to be doing them right, and I can talk you through that now if that mm-hmm. if that's what yeah, you want to be go doing. Yeah, um, and then there are. But then there's there's ways of integrating that that pelvic floor into your core workouts, into your strength and conditioning. I think it was again sort of ten years ago when Mr. Kegel came on, or however it was in the seventies. I think he was he was around like he introduced Kegel exercise, absolutely brilliant. But it's but we now know that's the start of a continuum. That's the start that learn. It's like the Kegel is like your your rehab physio exercise that you kind of that's an isolated exercise. You would never expect to do a any other uh, you know, isolation work with your hamstring or your shoulders or your quads and then that be integrated into your movement patterns and so what we need to be doing is start with the isolation so we can feel it and lift it and drop it and relax it and put the pressure on but then we need to integrate it into whatever else our body is doing and that's the bit that really is is fairly revolutionary in the world of pelvic floor work at them not in the world of the not with the people that know what they're doing and, and define themselves by this but in the rest of the world it feels like the kegel is it yeah yeah so uh, most of the people who are listening to it are running right now and should they be uh, should they be no, like squeezing right now okay let no, go no so, <laughs> so let go of your pelvic floor because you're the pelvic floor is a dynamic muscle right it, it, it's like you can't squeeze your quad whilst you want to run like the quad has to work with you the pelvic floor has to work with you now if you are doing a deadlift or a squat um, or a high pull in the gym yes you can lift your pelvic floor during that exercise and that's a brilliant thing to do to add extra stability to your core but not on not on a run like it just it needs to be moving with your breath it should be moving and you're not even conscious of it really it should just be working with you um so no let let go of your pelvic floor if you're running right now okay okay so so okay let's say we are in the gym and yeah. we want to work on this what should we be doing talk us through how to do it right so uh let's say you've never done this before probably the easiest place to start is in lying uh you but if you're in a gym and you want to sit on a bench or you want to start in standing then that's absolutely fine so let's say that you know me and you we're, we're both in sitting so we're in sitting we're going to kind of perch on our sit bones so we're, we're, we're neutral pelvis so we're not falling back and we're not forward and we're kind of feeling our sit bones and that's the same as if you're in standing find that neutral pelvic position and then I want everyone to let go of their tummy which feels really weird and that doesn't mean like you just collapse your whole system it just means that you just don't have you're not gripping or holding in your in your tummy because we need that part of us to be able to move and then what I want you to do is with that lovely relaxed tummy is to uh, imagine that you're picking up a bean with your back passage, which feels weird. And I teach this to 300 teenage girls and I lose the room every time I do it. But this is how, this is how we need to do it. I'm going to pick up a bean just with the back passage for now and then relax and let go and drop. So just pick up the bean and relax, let go and drop. And then pick up the bean 
and relax, let go and drop. Now your face shouldn't be squeezing, your <laughs> tummy shouldn't be coming on, your glutes shouldn't be firing. And that's what I mean about it being quite physio-like. It's like just just isolate, 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 which means you have to really back off the work if it's the first time you've ever done this. So we've got the, the back passage and there's a load of brilliant uh, pelvic floor muscle around the, around your back passage. And then we're going to move towards the front. So kind of like the, the uh, where your vagina is. I want you to pick up a bean with your vagina and relax, drop and let go. And I want you to pick up a bean with your vagina and relax, drop and let go. Right, two more stages. We're going to do both back and front drop, let go, back and front, drop and let go. The dropping is really important. That's your relaxation. Mm. The next bit is back and front and then draw up your vagina towards your belly button inside and then relax, drop and let go. And it's literally just like, and it might feel, it might just be, whoa, it's just gone. Over time, you want to have a bit more control on that. But at the start, we just let it all go. Mm -hmm. And you might want, you might have to push a little bit to actually get that full relaxation. Mm. Let's do that two more times. We're going to go back and front and draw up inside towards your belly button and relax, drop and let go. And then one more back and front, draw up inside and relax, drop and let go. And that's it. Okay. And so we held it there for about two seconds. And the idea is that you hold it at the top for, for a rat. You, you attempt to get to 10 seconds if you can. And if we're up to 10 seconds, we're good. But <laughs> that's a really good sign. That's a really good sign that your pelvic floor has the, has, is, is, you know, it's functioning well. Yeah. Okay. And so if we get nice and strong and this, this works, that means we shouldn't have any more problems on the run. Is this like a home run exercise? Mm, I mean, I think, well, that's if, if you are leaking on your run because you have a weak pelvic floor and you've sorted out your, then yes. But if there might be other reasons, like it might, it might not be you, your pelvic floor might actually be too tight. It might be sitting too high in your mm. pelvis and actually you need to work on the relaxation and letting go. So in the UK, we have uh, women's health physiotherapists. I don't know what they're called in the States. They might be like female therapists, but they're physio, they're, uh, they're, they're physio. Uh, they do it. They absolutely exist because you've got some brilliant ones over there, but they're, um, normal physiotherapists that are trained in pelvic health. And I, ju I just think your bar should be so low to going and getting support and help from them because they can do really, um, in, uh, they can do really specific examinations. They can teach you how to do it with the cues that, and the, and the, um, the visualizations that are going to work for you and give you your own specific program. Cause what I just described there works for many women, but like some of us just need different ways to imagine it. Okay. So what do we do in the meantime? So let's say we have some issues. We're starting our strength training, uh, program and, um, you know, this doesn't happen overnight. So what are some things that we can do while we're training, while we're on the run that can, you know, keep us dry and clean? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think there are, um, there's, uh, the, the period pants are like brilliant to kind of like help absorb what's, you know, what's coming out. I think they're, that, you know, they're, they're much more environmentally friendly than using the pads and they, they, they don't clog up the, the sewage systems and all that kind of stuff. So I think that, um, period pants are a really good way of absorbing things. Um, there's a, I think that over the next, few years three to four years we'll all start to wear sort of like internal devices they're called pessaries and they've been used 
medically to support women who have prolapse symptoms but i think what's going to be happening is that um they're going to be used in sport and they're going to be used as a preventative me measure and they and they're, they're they're not like a tampon but that's the best way of describing it some of them look like a tampon they come in all different shapes and sizes they're um they're generally made of like medical grade silicon um, and they kind of sit inside your vagina uh I think women that use menstrual cups, they're you know, are very used to kind of like inserting types of those types of things into your vagina that they and they they provide support for your bladder neck or your vaginal wall and they can also prevent that yeah, you know, they can prevent leaking. I think I you can buy them off the shelf, like that's not you can buy them off the shelf. I think that's I I would do it via a women's health physio who really understands sport and understands how important that is to you and they can make a really good much better assessment as to what type of um uh pessary will work for you yeah i hadn't heard about that until we spoke about it and i went and looked it up and i was like huh that is really really fascinating i had never heard of it and why don't more people know about this because it seems yeah. like that's really simple it is really simple but i think people um it is simple but they women haven't trained hard for very long. And mm. I know that sounds weird because yes. we all are, but actually we're only really seeing the first cohort of 56 year olds that have trained their whole life come through. Like if you look at ah. my mum's in her seventies, there were very few, there's no women of her generation that, that, would have gone to, gone to the gym, like gone to the gym, gone running. And so really we're only looking at 50 year olds now, like they're the first cohort that have come through. We don't really understand what the impact has been of training so hard and lifting weights and all that and, and, and training to an, a high athletic level. And we're only just starting to understand that. So this is really an emerging space and, and, and a really innovative space where we need like the options we have are they're much better than they were, but they, and that, that's why that this pessary is, is come from the medical profession where mm -hmm. really old ladies like need a lot of help with their, you know, uh, with their vaginal support. But we're like, actually, what happens if can we give it to CrossFitters? Does that help them? Does that prevent the, the damage that may well be caused going, uh, going forward? So I think it's a really exciting space. Yeah, that is really, really fascinating. You know, I uh, thought just popped into my head, you know, what if it's like an orthotic, you know, is like something yeah. that helps, but, because we rely on it our own muscles get weaker maybe i don't know <laughs> uh, yeah i think that the recent the ones that i'm working with a couple of products in the uk and they they show that actually they um that it's a bit of both like it's kind of like it can actually help help because it's internal like your pelvic floor is actually working with it um i think i think to be quite honest we need to keep women moving and we need to keep women active and if that's going to help then let's crack on and like let's get yeah that's going to help them because that is the People who love exercise will do will will always do anything, but that you've got this whole cohort of people whose barriers to exercise are really low. Mm -hmm. And if they have a fear of leaking or they actually are leaking, then they're gonna stop running and they're gonna stop exercising. So like if these little fixes can really help and support them, then let's use them. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So so far we've talked about, you know, the leaking and, and the urge to go, but we haven't talked about things that are a little bit more serious, like pain, um, you know. Know, a, a pelvic pain you know so what could be going on there when it just physically hurts to run yeah i mean i think I, i'm not medically trained and i wouldn't want to kind of guess at that but i think that pain or bleeding in any part of your body is not okay and i mm -hmm. and i always kind of say i always say right let's take that out of the pelvis so if you had 
pain in your hamstring, if you had a cut on your head that wouldn't stop bleeding, you'd go and get help. And I think because it's in a private, intimate, embarrassing part of our body, we often cover this stuff up, but we need to, um, yeah, we need to kind of like make sure that we're not covering that up. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So where do we go from here? So just for regular runners, you know, should we do our exercises once a week, twice a week, do them with our strength training? Every day. Every day. Oh, Every wow. day. And, but that's why it needs, so one set of 10, the ones exercises I've just gone through, one set of 10 every day, whether you have issues or do not have issues, then just because you've got, you're a woman with a pelvic floor and it needs, it needs a bit of care, loving, uh, care and looking after. Um, and then if you are experiencing issues, you need to be doing that two to three times a day. If nothing happens after, if, if there is zero, you, you notice nothing after two of, of probably like three to four weeks you then need to go and ask someone for a bit of help it generally takes people seven years so if you're anywhere if you if you see someone sooner than seven years you're doing really well yeah. i would say three to four weeks uh, but you need to go and find someone with a bit more expertise and give you that support and it's not for me that's not a luxury like our health is so important and and like, you know, especially with something like running, which is addictive and it's, but in a good way, it's something that people rely, you know, it can mm-hmm. be bad, but like generally it's a really healthy endeavor and it's, it's so important to women socially and mentally and yes, physically, but I think that social and mental piece is key. Like sure. you need to protect your body's ability to run. You need to do everything within your power to keep you running. And I think that pelvic floor piece is a, is a key part of that. Yeah. So you're saying it takes seven years for women to go get help for this on average. Oh no, that's horrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's horrible. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, yeah. well, hopefully more conversations like this will, will encourage more people to do that. But you know, yeah. as runners, it's like, oh, great. Here's one more thing we have to do. We already don't do our strength training enough. And now we got to do our, our pelvic floor exercises. Do you have any tips just from a habit point of view to make this easier, to make this a, a habit that we, that we do every day? Yeah. So I suppose that I think that, um, I've got two ideas. Uh, if you're, if you're part of a running group, then I think having that, um, accountability to those women within your team and within your squad is really, really great. So often I will say, right, we're going to do a pelvic floor challenge for the next month. And I, and you're all going to, you're all going to write in the group done when you've done it. You need someone with a bit of motivation to run that group and who's going to be like checking on people, but that's incredible. And you can have, and you don't all have to be the same age. You can be lots of different types of women in there saying, right, we're going to do a pelvic floor exercises um, and you might even want to record a bit of audio at the top which just says right I'm going to talk you through 10 of them and then we're going to do it every day and there will be people that honestly at 10 o'clock at night are getting ready for bed and, and, the, and you'll be like you'll be like oh Janet have you done have you done your pelvic floor exercises and they're like oh no but but so and so who's a single mum of three and you know how hard her life is has managed it so it just kind of gives you that social pressure to do it and it makes it a bit fun so I think having a kind of accountability group is a, is a really nice way of of doing that and sharing but you need a couple of oversharers in that group that will (laughs) kind of like really kind of like make that fun um and then I think the other uh, one to make it a habit like you just need to you need to think 
when I was working with uh, lots of uh, new mums, I was like, you have to find, you're never going to feel, be honest, you are never going to feel like doing your pelvic floor exercises ever. It's not going to be like, oh, I'll do my pelvic floor exercises now. So you need to make it, when you shut that door on your baby and they're asleep, instead of going to tidy up the house and get your tea and get yourself organised, you just go straight into your bedroom and you do them then. And that, for new mums, that kind of worked quite well. But what is the predictable time in your day where you just do it. I think for, I think cool downs is a really nice time to do it. Like when you're, when you're doing your breath work or you're doing your, you know, restorative kind of work, it's just like, okay, I'm just going to do my pelvic floor exercises at the same time because it's, it's not seen as an extra thing. It's, a, it's actually a really lovely thing to, to check in with your body and feel like, you know, get that tension out of your breath and kind of just relax and let go. So I think that incorporating it into something else you're doing is also very helpful. I love that idea. I talk about that a lot. Um, it's called uh, habit stacking. So when you're already doing something, if that is a good habit, you add on to it. So we could we could do our pelvic floor exercises while we're brushing our teeth, right? You know, that could yeah. be our perfect yeah. time. It's just something that we're always doing. You just add it on top. I think that's a great Great idea. Well, um, and I also love the idea of humor because, you know, this is sort of a, you know, embarrassing or hmm. yucky kind of conversation. But if we are lighthearted and silly about it, it kind of takes that away. And, yeah. you know, it's I, I would love to say, oh, there's nothing to be embarrassed about, but it does feel embarrassing. You know, that's normal to feel that way. But if we all talk about it more, I think it takes the sting out of it a little bit. Yeah, no, I agree. But I think what's it it, it is a it's okay to to make fun of it, but also do something about it. Yes. I think what's happening at the minute, the conversation is we laugh about the wee wee tree and we laugh about the sneezy wees, but that's 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 not enough. Like we need to then say, oh, we need to we need to do something about it. But yeah, humor just breaks down the barriers and makes everyone a lot more comfortable. Yes. Well, it's fabulous to know that this is not something we have to live with. There are solutions and there's help. So I think that is a perfect place to wrap this up. So um, Bess, tell um, everybody where listeners can connect with you. Yeah, um, we're from the Well HQ, so it's the well-hq.com. And although my passion is uh, pelvic health, and that's what I love doing, we cover all aspects of female athlete health. So we look at menstrual cycles, sports bras, hormonal contraception, all the specific life stages. And we're kind of on a mission to really change the way that we engage with, educate and train girls and women so that we're taking account all these unique things that happen to us. And at the moment, it's not really catered for or even considered within the world of sport and exercise. I love it. I, I love that you're doing this work. We need more of you out there. So <laughs> I want you to reach far and wide with your message because it is so needed. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I think a lot of people have learned a lot from this conversation and hopefully everybody's relaxing their pelvis on the run, <laughs> but, but, one, but yeah. doing it, doing it in the gym or on their cool down. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. You can learn more about Baz at the Well HQ, and we'll have links in the comments below on YouTube and in the podcast show notes. Now it's time for the Mental Strength Minute. Fortify your mind in 60 seconds or less. Today's topic is about passing runners at the end. 
There's really no better feeling at the end of a long race or group workout than passing people at the end. This means that you ran the race better and smarter than the people you are passing. The victory is even sweeter if these are the people that started the race too fast and paid dearly for their hubris. While you should be hurting at the end of a tough race, if you ran to the best of your ability, every runner you pass at the end is like a shot of painkiller that proves that you are a pacing master. If you're not running a race, you can still use this tip as an imagination game on the sidewalk or at the park. Just pretend the pedestrians or even the telephone poles are your unfortunate competitors at the end of your run. They are struggling with exhaustion from their poor choices while you are gliding effortlessly to the finish line. Now, before I get comments about how you should run your own race and not compare yourself to others, remember, this is just a mental exercise that you do in your head. All sports are competitive by definition, even if you're just competing with yourself. And if it helps to have a little fun slaying your imaginary enemies, I say slay away. Thank you so much for listening to the Planted Runner podcast or watching it on YouTube. The ability for me to make this show absolutely depends on the number of listens, downloads, reviews on Apple Podcasts, and ratings on Spotify. So if you've already reviewed, thank you. If not, please take a moment after your run today to give it five stars. Another reminder that I will be adjusting the pricing on my custom training plans by the end of the year. So if you have a spring race on the books and want a truly custom plan from me, get yours made soon at theplantedrunner.com slash plans. That's theplantedrunner.com slash plans. Have a great run today. Hear Her Sports is a podcast for everyone who loves stories by and about women striving to improve and make a difference in their lives. I am your host, Elizabeth Emery, a former professional cyclist. In every episode, I introduce a female athlete or woman in the business of sport through a thoughtful conversation about who they are and the terrific work they're doing. My guests and I explore the glorious and frustrating issues in sports, history, equity, training, nutrition, and so much more. Join us for inspiration, for community, and for love of being a strong athletic woman.